0: So we had um, a DMM training on Wednesday night in the commons. And, you know, you're wondering how's it going to go. People sign up and, you know, you wonder who's going to show up. I've been through a lot of things over the years. And uh, basically everybody, some folks could not make it because of some obligations, but basically everybody that signed up came to the training. And afterwards I was um, just kind of thinking about things and praying about it. And the Lord said to me that that was a historic night in the history of Good News Church, that something historic had happened. Um, and, you know, I'm a traditional guy, and to make a change, to do away with our Wednesday service and to have the training um, was a big uh, move for me. It may not be for, for a lot of people, but, you know, change sometimes. I'm a little slower with change. But it was a, um, a big decision, and I believe it was historic. I, I think back about different things that have happened in the history of church, and uh, I think this is maybe uh, one of the biggest changes that we've made in a long, long time, and so uh, excited about that and excited about the train tonight. There will be people um, um, local, obviously, Good News Church, that will be participating in the online train tonight, but we're going to have a lot of people from other parts of the country, and the world will be there uh, uh, online, so that's going to be exciting. Um, So thank you for everybody that's participating in in that. Um, uh, I believe that we're coming together like never before for unity and harmony. And, and it's going to be about kingdom business. And I believe we're going to be more impactful this year uh, for the kingdom. Now, as we're looking at the beginning of the year in uh, 2020, none of us would be, go wrong by devoting more time to prayer and study of God's Word. I mean, these are the basic big habits of any believer is being in prayer, uh, reading the, the Word of, of God. And last fall, I did a study in the book of Acts on prayer. And there was at least 22 references to prayer in the book of Acts. So we're talking about the early church and basically our example of what we're to be doing today. And prayer was a, a very important to them. And, 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 and in fact, all the major events in Christianity, in the Bible, there's prayer associated with it. The birth of Christ, the Last Supper, the death and resurrection of Jesus the forming of the early church, the day of pentecost, and the day that the gospel is preached to the gentiles. All those, if you study those out, you're going to see prayer is involved, you know, uh, heavily heavily involved in all of those major events. And so if we're wanting something to happen in a major way here in Augusta, who wants that? Many hands. I do. I really do. I want to see a movement of the Holy Spirit here that is happening in other parts of the world. Uh, I don't want to just read about things. I want to be a part of it. And I believe that's what God, I know that's what God wants to do in this area. Uh, In the scriptures it says, he desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's his heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He doesn't want people to perish. We've got a lot of people right now, if, if things were to end today, a lot of people that we know work with, go to school with, uh, our, our neighbors with, they wouldn't go with us in the rapture. And they'd be perishing, and that's, that's not acceptable. And, and so we, 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 so this God's gonna have a lot of assignments and things for us to do, but the, the foundation is gonna be the word, the foundation, Four things he's going to have us to do is going to be prayer. So we like to start our year off with 21 days of prayer. And so we're, we're starting that um, tomorrow. And you have the schedule for that. And I hope that you can uh, partake in that, either corporately or individually. And I, I'm a strong believer in both types of prayer. Not, one's not more important than the others. But um, certainly in the, in the book of Acts, they had individual prayer and corporate prayer. Both are important. Um, let's look at uh, Mark 11 it's a real foundational scripture on prayer Mark 11 verse 22 prayer is simply talking to God Um, it's you know what's on your heart and then talking to God is communication it involves talking and listening (laughs) it's not complicated we make it complicated but uh, we're talking to him, and he, he wants to talk to us. Uh, and so Mark 11, verse 22, this is the, uh, after Jesus had uh, cursed the fig tree, and then the disciples noted that the, the fig tree had dried up from the roots. And then Jesus is now teaching from that illustration, pretty significant illustration here. Mark 11 verse 22, then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. Have faith in God. That's a good word. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. You can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. That's pretty amazing. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. There you go, Jana. First forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So prayer, you wouldn't pray if you didn't trust him. I mean, the, very, the whole thing about prayer is we're talking to someone that knows better, talking to someone that has all the answers. Someone that's the supply of everything we do. It's in in Him we live and move and have our being. And we want to be vitally connected to Him. And by doing so, the good things that He has are are rubbed off on us, manifested in our lives. And so it's it's a good thing. But we, we, we trust in Him. And we trust Him to do what He says He will do. What He will do. You know, he's faithful who promised. And that's that's an important part of prayer. If you don't believe God can answer, then you won't you're not going to pray. But you've got to believe that he will answer, you have to believe that he will back up his word. You have to believe that he will do what he says he will do. That's faith, that's 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 trust. And he does it because we're his child, he does it because he promises us. And then he's given us authority in this realm to speak words of life, to speak his words of life, and the same impact that Jesus' words had in the earth when he was here, we have that same God given authority that Jesus had. And if you look in Matthew twenty eight, he he made a big deal of saying, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and now I delegate it to you. Now go. And that word, goes means as you go about your life, go about your your day, uh, go about your journey, as we go, we're to exercise that God-given authority. And authority is exercised through our words. That's why words are so important. And we've got to be careful about our words and what we say, (laughs) you know, because... We're, the scripture is talking about that. It's about believing your words, that your words will come to pass. Now, it's not based on, now, it will work. This will work whether you're believing the word or not. It, it, your words connected with your believing being spoken is going to bring about uh, a reality in your life. But God's way is to put his word in our hearts and, and keep putting it in our hearts until you believe it and then speak that out. This is how you were saved. And, and by speaking it out, it, those words go into this natural realm and actually bring change. Um, and then that's, that's just part of God's plan. So it's really important what we're saying, what we're believing, what we're speaking. Now, he uses the word mountains. And I've seen some, some big mountains. I'm sure you have too. Either the picture or actually being there. I think probably the biggest mountain I've climbed is maybe 13,000 feet. And it's pretty amazing when you're up there at the summit <laughs> looking down. And I know there's a lot taller mountains than that. Um, but that's, maybe that's all the higher I want to climb, really. Um, but anyway, mountains. And he, he's, he's giving us something big because he's wanting you to know the authority that you have. He's wanting you to know that the power that resides in you, he's wanting you to know the power of your words can cause big things to happen, either to be removed or to come into your lives. Now, it's, it's, it's already working for you. Your life is a product of your words. You, you, you might, as well, might as well get it working for you and, and to be skilled in it and to understand it and get it working for you. But uh, I think uh, many in the church have just uh, made the mountains about personal mountains, which is okay, I'm totally fine with that. But I think as you mature as a believer, you start realizing that any mountains that are obstacles for the church become a mountain for you. And you're going to use your words to not only move it out of the way for you, but for others. And that's really a a higher realm, a higher believing, it's a higher maturity when you start thinking that way. Instead of just thinking it's all about me, you start thinking about others. And we know this, that um, faith is produced by the hearing of the word. It works together, prayer and the word work together. We talk about launching our prayers from the platform of God of God's word. I mean, that's the healthiest form of prayer is, is to be speaking God's word to him be speaking God's word in this uh, natural realm, Uh, that's where the power is, and that's what you want to believe. Prayers that are doubt-free are prayers that are founded on the word of God and inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, it it mentions there at the the, the last part of these uh, verses about uh, forgiveness and reconciliation and holding a grudge. Um, getting out of the love walk will hinder your prayers. Getting out of the love walk—it it's, it's, it will cost. First of all, if you're out of the love walk, you probably won't be praying. You know, and so it's good. <laughs> as we're starting off this year, we've been—we're talking about some some messages from last year. It is good to reconcile. It is to, to forgive. If you've got things in your heart, it, it's getting in the way of the big things that God has for you. So we need to deal with those things. So, so, so we can never get out of love. Can never get out of the, out of the love walk. Now, if we desire big things to happen here in Augusta, and I and many raise their hand, and, and and I want that, we need to be speaking the things that God is showing us that we're seeing in the Word, and and ask God to do it individually and corporately. Now, I'll, I'll let, let you know. You know, Eddie's talking about 2020 and, and our lives and goals and all that. Let me give you a little secret. You rise in your life to the level of your prayers. When you start asking God for big things, big things will start happening for you personally. Because you're someone he can work with. He's going to elevate you. He's going to promote you. He's going to open doors for you because your heart is right. And what, what he wants, it's what you want Uh, And so I'm really encouraging us as we're starting off this prayer time, 21 days of prayer. I'm hoping by the end of the 21 days, we're asking him for some humongous things, maybe bigger things than we've ever asked before. Okay. Now let's look at Ephesians 3, verse 20. We have talked about this verse so much, we've coined it as our own. We call it an E320. Have you heard that? i 'll write that on emails or things that, that people understand that i 'll instead of just saying the verse i 'll say e three twenty people know what i mean like that 's over and above that 's e three twenty but this is a good verse for us to know when we 're wanting to prayer, pray big prayers because God is wanting us to pray big things he 's wanting us to speak big things um, and he's wanting to do over and above these prayers. Now look, Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who by a consequence of the action of his power, as at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. Say super abundantly. Is super abundantly, is that a, a big thing? Is that big? Does that sound Big. He wants to do big things in 2020. He wants to do big things in your life in 2020. He wants to do big things in this church in 2020. He wants to do big things in your business, in your family, in your school. He wants to do historic things. That's his heart. But now look, far over and above all that we dare ask, what does James say? We have not because we ask not. I think the enemy has done too good of a job to silence us. I think we do feel inadequate or we do go by feelings or we go by circumstances. That, that's, that's not where faith is. Faith is believing in something we don't see. But the enemy's trying to silence us, silence your voice, because he knows that's where the power is. And then also, Matthew 18 talks about coming into agreement. Um, There's power in agreement. So it's no wonder he's trying to tear you down, make you feel bad about yourself, but also divide you from other believers. And why, why is that? Because when we come together, Power is made available. When we come together, things happen for the kingdom. And so the enemy's doing all he can to fight that. And so we've got to dare ask. In 2020, you've got to dare ask. Or think. What are you thinking about? And thinking about the word infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, Hopes are dreams. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Now, I'm about to get into something that um, it's, 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 it's meaty. Okay? And I don't think I could really talk about this unless we did maybe the last, have gone through the last part of 2019. We talked about a lot of different things about what God wants to do in the earth. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about consecration. um, So many different things. And really couldn't get into a message like this today unless we were prepared for it. And um, I uh, I knew I'd be speaking on prayer on Sunday, and I was kind of just meditating on things. And the Lord said to me, go to John 17. Now, that is so interesting because I've not been studying John 17. I know what John 17, a lot of what it says in John 17, but it wasn't what I was thinking about talking about today. But he said, go to John 17. And as I got into that chapter, it um, it, it, it just became alive, and I, be, I began to see some things. And it was almost to the point of the time I was in prayer about Matthew 9, about the laborers. It's that type of thing of what he, he has in there, and and I hope I can do justice to what I'm was seeing. Um, I'll, if I can't get it today, we'll get it, we'll hit it again next week. Um, but it, it is pretty vital, I think, for where we are right now as a body. Now, John seventeen, John thirteen through seventeen is Jesus at the Last Supper. I mean, that was quite a meal. I would like to have some meals like that. The things, uh, the things that he talks about in those chapters, he's talking about love, he's talking about uh, prayer, he's talking about uh, being uh, vitally connected to the Father, you know, uh, bearing fruit, the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, greater works than these you shall do. I mean, so many amazing things for the church are found in John 13 through 17. And, and if you don't have anything else to study, go, go read those verses as we're starting off our year. But he ends with John 17, and it's, it's, a, um, it's a communication to God. It's, it's, it's from someone, obviously, that's very intimate with God. You read the language and the way he, he says these things. It's someone talking to someone he is very close to. And then also, it's someone that knows who he is. He knows he's the Son of God. He knows what his assignment. He knows um, uh, he's going to be going to the cross. He, you know, all these different things. And it's it's a um, quite amazing all the that he put he packs in. I think it's twenty six verses. But then the other interesting thing is it's it's prayed corporately. Meaning, Jesus wanted it to be recorded. So it's important. It wasn't, you know, there's times it says Jesus withdrew to pray. We don't know what he prayed. He prayed all night, came down from the mountain. We don't know what he prayed. But in this particular prayer, communion with God, we know what he said. He said it to his disciples at the culmination of the Last Supper. And so uh, let's get into it. Now verses um, one through five. I'm going to read the whole thing. So, if you want to sleep? Now is a good time to sleep. You want to think about, uh, you know, Ray's coastal cafe. You can do that. Whatever you want to do. But I want to read the whole thing. You can't do that, Pastor. That's not very entertaining. I don't really care. I really don't care. I feel like I should read it, so I'm going to read it. But verses 1 through 5, Jesus is really talking about himself, praying for himself. Verses uh, 6 through 19, he's praying for his disciples, which the 12 of them are there, but really it's only 11. We know there's one that's a traitor. And, And it's interesting because at this point, basically all of his disciples... Other disciples have left him. He is down to 11. It looks, in the natural, really pretty dire for the church. These 11 people. But obviously he did a good job of discipling because we're here today because of those 11. And 2 billion others in this world and many more coming in are because of those 11. And the job that Jesus did discipling pretty good job. And so, the you know, what the prayer that he's praying is going to be of interest to us. Obviously, he knows what he's praying about because of the success that he's had. So 6 through 19 is he's, he's praying for his disciples. And then 20 through 26, he's praying for the disciples of the disciples. See, it's interesting. Uh, when Jesus is talking about this discipleship, He's talking about four generations at least, four genera- multi generational multiplication. When he thinks about discipleship, and I, I can, you know, I can verify that from Second Timothy two two. What was entrusted to, to Paul, you know, he passed on to others, who passed on to others, who passed on to others. And so when God's talking about discipleship, he's not just talking about me discipling Eddie. He's looking at who's Eddie going to disciple and who's the people that Eddie's discipling, who are they going to disciple. He's looking at multiplication. And really, that is the only way we're going to reach the world. That's multiplication. The only way we're going to reach the world is through multiplication. We're not going to do it through addition. Now, we need addition. Acts says they added to the church daily those being saved. But we are not want to reach the world. If we want to reach the Augusta area, it's going to have to be through multiplication. And disciple, disciple making is about multiplication. And really, evangelism is addition. But discipleship is multiplication. We need both. I'm not, I'm not against either one. But if we're wanting to see some um, bigger things... The bigger things happen, we're going to need to see discipleship happen in a greater way in the Augusta area. It's got to happen. All right. Saying all that, now let's read, um, let's read John 17. Now I'm going to read it from the message translation, so if you want to follow along, you can. Jesus said these things. Then raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your Son, so the Son in turn may show your bright splendor. You put Him in charge of everything human, so He might give real and eternal life to all in His charge. And this is the real and eternal life. This is good right here. That they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. That's eternal life. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence be- before there was a world. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were yours in the first place, and then you gave them to me. And they have now done what you said. They now know beyond the shadow of a doubt that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them. And they took it. And they were convinced that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. I pray for them. He's praying for his disciples now. And at this point, it's 11. It's not a whole lot of people. It's 11. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those you gave me. For they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours and yours mine. And my life is on display in them. For I'm no longer going to be visible in the world. They'll continue in the world while I return to you. Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred as a gift through me so they can be one heart and mind. See, he's for unity. And we are one heart and mind. As long as I was with them, I guarded them in the pursuit of the life you gave through me. I even posted a night watch. And not one of them got away. Oh, I love that. Not one of them got away, except for the rebel bent on destruction, the exception that proved the rule of Scripture. Now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them. I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join the world's ways. Just as I didn't join the world's ways. I mean, this is amazing. This is all one prayer. This is amazing. Just as I didn't join the world's ways, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. And in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating my, this is good, I'm consecrating myself for their sakes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. I'm consecrating myself for their sakes so there'll be truth consecrated in their mission. I'm praying not only for them, this is where he makes a turn now, I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of them and the witness about me. The goal was for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us, then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are. I in them and you in me, then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and love them. In the same way you've loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am. So that they can see my glory. The splendor you gave me. Having loved me long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I have made your very being known to them. Who you are and what you do. And continue to make it known so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I in them. This right here, and, and, and thank you for just going along with me on that, because I know it's not exciting to have someone else read a scripture to you. Um, but this right here, I, I think this is probably one of the most important prayers of the New Testament. And, you know, we've given a lot of credence to the Lord's Prayer, and I totally understand that. But the Lord's Prayer is about our needs. The, I'm calling this the Disciple Maker Prayer. The Disciple Maker Prayer is about God's needs. And that's that's a higher, again, a higher level of maturity. A higher growth. It's It's, um, it's, it's partnering with God. It's it's sonship, a daughter and being daughters of, of God. I mean, it's, it's getting a bigger picture, a bigger vision. Because I think it's interesting that Jesus, he doesn't pray about buildings. He doesn't pray about programs. He's not praying about money. He's not praying about uh, attendance. These are the big things that are the, the focus of the American church are those things. He's not he doesn't mention any of those things. His his concern is about the, the, the disciples. All the whole thing is about the disciples and God's great love for people and wanting people to grow in the things of God. And he is this prayer is focused on the mission. The mission according to Matthew 28, is making disciples people that obey his commands. Do you you see how far we've gotten off? We're focused on so many things. And and if we listen to our prayers, we're going to find out where your heart is at, what you're praying about. But he, he had his heart right. He was submitted. Even though he's God, he was submitted and and humbled before God, and and disciple making disciples was the most important thing to him. Besides knowing God, but they're really just connected. So connected, you really I don't know how you separate them. Knowing God and discipling people. And so I, I think you know you, you, if you know. As we're talking about prayer, um, I think if we would begin you know, 2020 praying this, I'm not saying don't pray other things. We, we know a lot of things about prayer we've learned over the years. But I think this is, needs to be a focus for us in 2020 because of where we're going as a body. And we need to be praying these things for each other And we need to be praying these things for our disciples. Now let me go through some of the things he prayed. Well, Let me just say this again. Being a disciple maker was the primary mission of Jesus. So it's got to be primary for us. If it's important to him, it's got to be important to us. Now, verse 3, one of the things we need to be doing during these 21 days is the first thing in being a disciple-maker is what is truly important in life. And that's eternal life. And Jesus defines what eternal life is. It's not just existing. It's not just having a good life. It's not just having a comfortable life. Just having your needs met. Eternal life is knowing the one and only true God and His Son, Jesus. That is the foundation of life. And so as we begin 2020, where are you at? Is that your passion? (laughs) Is that your passion? To know God and to know His only Son, Jesus? That is what we need to be consumed about this year. And if you're not there, today is a great day to, to make some changes. Because eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts now when you made Jesus the Lord of your life. You can truly live. But life, eternal life, the God kind of life, it comes from Him. It's found in Him. And so you talk about goals. Make that your number one goal this year is to know God and to know His Son, Jesus. To spend time with Him, to communicate with Him, to learn about Him, to fellowship with Him, to praise Him. And when we do that, um, other things just kind of fall into place. Christianity is not as complicated as we make it. Um, The Christian walk really flows out of our devotion and our our fellowship with him. It's, it's, it's really an overflow. It's just like this week, he just said John 17. It's not hard, I mean, that's not like I gotta do, a, you know, 20 hours of research to try to find a message. Go, go to John 17. And then just my eyes are open, okay, I see it. It, it. it comes just out of fellowship with him, knowing him. And he has that for you. He's got the answers. He's got the wisdom. He's 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 going to be leading you into things. Now, the second thing, so that's the first thing is what is eternal life? The second thing is Jesus was focused on completing the assignment. It says here in the message, I love this, Jesus was focused on completing the, his assignment down to the last detail. And so that's after you're, you're talking with Him and getting to know Him, it's like the question is, what am I here for? What am I here for? And many believers, they don't know why they're here. They don't understand the Word. They don't understand the mission. They don't understand the assignment. They don't really know what's it all about. But God wants you to know. And, and he may not show you everything, but he's going to show you what's next. And so if you don't know what's next, spend some time with him, and he will show you what's next. And he doesn't want it to be fuzzy. He wants you to know that you know that you know that you know what's next. He doesn't operate through confusion. He wants you to clearly know. And if we don't know, it's not on him, it's on us. Did you catch that? Because he's wanting us to know. He's going to give you as much as you can handle. In those verses in John, he says, I'll show you things to come. He wants to lay out 2020 for you. I mean, so many times in my ministry career, have I seen things in prayer and I just went and acted it out. I mean, hundreds of times. He'll show it to you. He'll show you your year, and then you walk it out. Doesn't mean it's all going to go perfect. Doesn't going to mean there's going to be trials and tribulations. But He will show you things to come. When you spend time with Him, the Holy Spirit, He's going to show you things. And you point to your neighbor and say, you've got a God-given assignment. Now shake that finger. Shake it. What are you doing about it? it? (laughs) We've got an assignment. Every one of us, not just those that are called to full-time ministry or this person because of their gifting, every one of us has an assignment from God that's just as important as my assignment or Billy Graham, who's in, you know, his assignment, or Jesus's, it's just as important as Jesus' assignment. It's important. Anybody, uh, you know, uh, football watchers, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but when they're running a play, They all have an assignment. And depending on how well they do their assignment is how the success of the play. And everybody's got a a part to play. And it's like in the body of Christ, we just have a few people doing their assignment. It's no wonder the enemy is blitzing and sacking the quarterback every time. Because half the team is sitting on the sidelines drinking Gatorade. Oh, man, this is the best Gatorade I've ever had. Can you, can you rub this? You know, I got a little ache here. Can you rub this? We need players on the field that are trained and know what they're doing and walk into their assignment to the best of their ability. That is life. That is, that is a life. Truly life. Living. Now I'm just going to end with this last one. I've got at least nine things and I've got time to study this week more so I'll probably have more. I've got nine and I'm on three so we'll just probably end with three. So we are going to talk about it next week. This right here and for people, the word people, you know what I'm talking about? This right here, I'm about to share with you, went off in me like a rocket. You know what I mean by that? You know when they sent you a, a Happy New Year thing on, on you know Instant Messenger and they had that explosion thing and all that? That's what it was like on the inside of me. It was amazing. Are you, are you ready for it? I hope it goes off in you the way it went off on inside. It it might not, but I hope it will. Listen to this. Uh, Put up verse 6. Can you put up verse 6 in the message? Thank God for our production team. We love you guys. It's a... It's a... It it is... It is a thankless job because if you're doing your job well, no one even notices you. If, you, uh, if you're messing up, a lot of stares. In Star Wars, it's the death stare. No, no, no. Uh, no. Uh, but I mean, a lot of stares. But I mean, thank you guys. Now look, now right here, this is when I was reading when the rocket went off. Anybody? Anybody? I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women. You gave me. You gave me. It's not me going out trying to find a disciple. He's bringing them to us. He's bringing them to us by supernatural means. Now we follow the Holy Spirit and we go about our day and we're talking about going out among the lost. And we're doing that. But it's like so many times the people I choose to, to be my disciple, nine times out, 9.9 times out of 10, they're not the person. Because I'm wanting to make something happen that they don't want. I want it more than they do. But when God does it, he'll give you people. And that's going to be supernatural. He's going to draw them by the Holy Spirit. And there's going to be a connection. And there's just going to be a flow between that person. Are we talking about our kids? Obviously, he's given us those. We didn't didn't choose them. He gave those to us. that's a good place to start. But God has other people for you as part of your assignment in 2020. He's got people for you to disciple. And that's what we're trying to help you with in the DMM training, is to help you be skilled at it and to be better at it. We won Over 20,000 people in one-on-one evangelism. Why? Because the people that were going out were skilled. They were trained. We demonstrated. We practiced. And we went out. And it's the same thing here about making disciples. These are skills that we can learn. And so in the DMM training, I mean you're going to get some things the first time around but it may take 3 4 5 times before you even figure out what the heck's going on talk about 12 lessons it's going to take some time for it to get into you because we're we're being trained but the the goal of the the, the training is and just and and in, in the the definition of DMM DMM is where disciples Obedience-based disciples, discipleship, where disciples reproduce disciples, leaders reproduce leaders, churches reproduce churches, and movements reproduce movements. The goal of the class is reproduction. The goal of the class is multiplication. It's o- Disciples who are obedient. Now, I'm telling you in 2020, if you are open and you're following God and you want to be a part of God's big mission, you got to be prepared for God to bring people to you. And be ready for that. And start praying about it. And if you don't have it already, start praying about it. Start expecting it. The Holy Spirit's going to do it. He's probably already done it. We didn't probably know what to do with it. He wants to give you people to disciple in 2020. But when we disciple these people, right from the beginning, we're looking at those people discipling others. It's not going to stop with that person. And so the training and the teaching has to be in the way to reproduce. We got us an exciting year ahead of us.